and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast, where we exist to connect the story of God with the story of man and see all of our lives in light of God and his story. My name is Raven, and I'm joined by Andrew, one of the pastors here. And today we are talking about the upcoming election. Good morning. Well, afternoon, evening. I always do that. I never know. Start with morning. But welcome, whatever time of day it is. We are excited you're here. Today, we are actually going to do something a little bit different. With the upcoming election, it's caused a lot of thoughts, maybe some tension or frustration, and just confusion in how to vote and also how to interact with others around us that have different thoughts or opinions than us. And so, Andrew, can you share some of your heart about why we decided to do this podcast? Yeah, I think for us in doing this podcast, what we want to do is help people think about um, either things going on in culture or try to give people like a starter to some conversation. This one is probably a little bit different because we're not kind of starting a conversation or introducing a topic. We're essentially just saying this is what everybody's thinking about and talking about over these couple weeks. And so we should probably just give a little bit of guidance to it. So I think for my heart specifically as a pastor, so if, if you're a a member of Providence. This is my heart for you as a member in our church. If you are listening to this and you're not a member of our church, but you're a Christian, um, just my heart as a pastor, I want to help like give some guidance to this. Um, and and just how we think through as Christians, uh, maybe how we're unique in how we think through politics and voting and the election. Um, and, and just try to help us get in the right heart and mind posture, not necessarily, um, just who you should vote for. So, um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are doing this and they're kind of staying out of like specifically giving you who you should vote for. And I'm going to firmly fall in that camp of not Mm -hmm. saying, okay, you need to vote for this party or this person, um, which may be frustrating a little bit, I guess. But, um, I think that as far as my calling and expertise in this is not to be a politician to get you to vote for somebody, but it's to actually just help your soul be in the right Mm -hmm. posture as we think about voting. So that's kind of my heart in this. Raven, have you had a lot of conversations with people in the church or yeah, just thought about this very much? Yeah. I think I've had a lot of conversations that have almost made me take a step back and not want to engage in any type of political conversation. And so when you brought up this topic, I was a little bit uneasy because I thought, uh, (laughs) I don't know exactly how I feel yet. Because I think a lot of the conversations I've had are, well, if you don't vote for this party, are you really being a Christian and living out Christian values? And what do you value? What is something that you're trying to vote for for certain policies? And so I think for me, it's been a little bit muddied. And so I'm really excited to dive into this because I think these are helpful thoughts for any Christian or believer right now. Yeah. And I actually think that it's healthy for us as a church or for people to like have those conversations and even disagreements um, and, and to kind of wrestle through some of these things. But there's certain lines I think that we shouldn't cross as Christians. There's certain convictions that we have to hold to as Christians. Um, but I think for us, we can either kind of like you said, and I've even fallen to this over the last month or two of just kind of wanting to avoid these things because it's can be really divisive and challenging and people mm-hmm. are really heated about it or to be on the other side of being someone who's really heated about this and you have your certain beliefs that you have to stick to and you kind of put that on other people. And so, so yeah, for our heart today and, and having this conversation before the election coming up is, is not going to be to give you very clear direction on who you should vote for, but it's more of, Hey, let's just think through kind of from a spiritual Christian standpoint, what is our posture going into voting and how do we as a church need to relate as we go about doing this. Yeah. And Andrew, you had come up with three ideas for this. What are those ideas and kind of an overview of them? 
Yeah. So, so three things as we think through what is a Christian's posture toward politics or the upcoming election, here's three kind of pastoral words I'd love to give. So number one, um, I want to remind us that we wholeheartedly follow Jesus, not a party. All right. So we wholeheartedly follow Jesus, not a party. Uh, what I mean by that is that we as Christians give our worship, devotion, and allegiance to Jesus. Okay. Now I know every Christian or most Christians, we all say that. However, if you think about um, worship and worship is just, you know, we can think music and stuff, but if you think of worship as specifically um, what we give honor to, priority to, value to, time to, um, we give all of those things primarily to Jesus. We follow with mm-hmm. um, a, the completeness of ourself, Jesus. We give devotion to Jesus. We are giving our primary allegiance to Jesus. If that is true, that then means that you are not doing those things for other things in life. And that includes a specific party, politician, or platform. Um, now with that, what what I do want to say is that does not mean that you can't support a party or a politician or vote or be even a part of a campaign or be involved in politics some way. I'm not saying that you can't do that. In fact, um, it's in many ways, it's really helpful for Christians to be involved. This is just Politics is just the public sphere of the world we live in, and Christians should be involved in that. So I'm not saying you like don't get involved at all in any of this stuff, but I do want to remind people that our allegiance and our like wholehearted devotion has to be to Jesus and not just simply to one particular party. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're what we're seeing is um, not for everybody, but there's just been these two camps, Republican and Democrat, that people have just kind of fallen in line often. And I think we can kind of drift into this like allegiance to a party. And when we do that, we're, we're aligning ourselves with a man-made system or with mankind in general. And everything that we touch is flawed in some way. So there is no politician and there is no party that's perfect. So if your whole allegiance is with one particular person or party, um, we're probably in danger of not being fully aligned with Jesus. Mm. And on that point, how do we show our wholehearted allegiance to Jesus? Is it just through disagreeing with our party? I don't think that, I mean, that's not the, that's not the primary way that you show your devotion to Jesus, but in being like uh, aligned with Jesus, I think that that should result in, um, disagreeing with your party at different points. So again, it's not necessarily bad to be, um, in a political party, um, but your devotion to Jesus should actually have you push against certain things. Like mm-hmm. it, there's just no way that your that either of the parties or any candidate is perfect in how they follow God's will for, uh, a society for our country or, or for our community. And so I think that in some ways we, it's not the primary way you do that to Jesus, like holistically, but we're specifically thinking about politics. It is one of the primary ways of saying like, you, you can vote for this person or be aligned with this party. Um, but if you never push against that, I think that does reveal that, that your allegiance is actually lying with the party. If you can disagree with certain points, but still say like, I do line up here um, mostly, and this is where I best fit, maybe. Um, but that's but to push against certain things or to raise questions, I think actually does help your witness of saying, ultimately, I'm aligned with something greater than these two mm. parties. And so I may mostly fit in this one, but if you completely do, I do think that is a little bit of a problem. Mm. And thinking critically about 
what others are saying in a healthy way, I think is something that even you have said in membership classes of, hey, if Jared or I get up on stage, we are human and we do have flaws. And if we say something that's not biblical, tell us. And so I think even when it comes to thinking critically with politics, that's something that's important for everyone is to say, okay, what are they saying? Do I believe everything? But especially because no party will have every single view that you hold. It's important to actually look at it and go, okay, do I truly believe in and agree with all of these points? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point that in, and specifically we're talking about the election and politics, but that is just a, that's a true thing across the board. We've talked about as a staff team a couple of times recently that even for like Christian leaders, if we a hundred percent fall in line with whatever anybody says, and we don't think critically about those things, we're in danger of following a person or a leader or a system more than Jesus. And so um, our allegiance is wholly to Jesus and to his word. Um, And so we don't want to be like, you know, critics that are constantly like nagging at different things, but we should be critical in how we think through, um, people's teaching and, and different structures. Um, so with the party thing, if your party uh, is in power, that's great. If your values are getting voted in, that's great. But because we follow Jesus and not a party, this also means that if your your party or your candidate in a couple weeks doesn't get voted in, um, you can still be a good God-honoring citizen in America because you serve Jesus and are aligned with him, not necessarily a party. And so I think this is just historically for Christians. We live in kind of a unique stage where um, we have been the moral majority. Christianity has been the majority for a while. Um, And so we kind of assume that the best way for us to live out Christian values is to have our people in, in power for a lot of the church for in most places around the world, historically, they've been the minority. And so the church has actually oftentimes thrived when they didn't have people in power and they could still be good citizens, good neighbors, um, love the people around them. Um, even when most places they didn't, they don't have rights to vote like we do, and they still honor people that are in power, even if they're corrupt. And so we don't follow corruption and we don't sin because of leaders. Um, but we do honor our leaders and we do give them respect. And so, um, when we, give our full allegiance to Jesus, that means that we can be a part of politics, but no matter what happens and no matter if your party's in power or not, um, you can still follow Jesus and be a good citizen. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I think that's something good to remember. And I think it raises a question for me, well, when can we push back on leadership? So you said, if something's corrupt leadership wise, that doesn't cause us to sin, but we still are respecting our leaders. Is that what you were saying? I think we always honor our leaders, which is probably a good reminder for Americans that no matter who's in, no matter who's in power at any level, you honor and respect your leaders. That's a biblical theme from, um, kingship down to leaders in the church. Like no, no matter who it is, like we give honor to places of authority because God has set up structures of authority. And biblically speaking, you know, we have, um, we see in the gospels, Jesus gets asked one of the famous story of Jesus is they ask if they should pay taxes to Caesar. And they kind of think, well, maybe Jesus is going to rebel because Caesar's Mm -hmm. not a God honoring, you know, figure. He's this like dictator in, in, in Rome at the time. Um, but Jesus says, look, if, if the money has Jesus or Caesar's, um, imprint on it, then you give that to Caesar. You honor the structures that you're in and you can honor Caesar. He doesn't say you fully follow Caesar. Caesar was not, um, leading Rome towards godliness and a life, you know, searching after Christ. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's not what he did, but you can still honor, um, the leader. You see Paul talk about praying for and honoring, um, the authority that we have. 
well, Paul lived in a day where some of like Nero and, and other rulers in Rome were persecuting Christians, killing mm-hmm. Christians. And he still said, hey, Christians, honor the structures and the authority that you have. He also talks about in the Old Testament, how God uh, put Pharaoh in place at a certain time for his glory and he was enslaving God's people. So we can't have this idea that God is only for and can only be glorified when certain people are in, in power. Um, he works through all the authority structures and all the leadership structures that we have. And so we don't have to follow people into sin. So if um, if we have leaders in our government that say, we take the, the um, pro-life and the abortion issue, if they say, well, abortion is legal and people should have the right to choose, we can stand against that and we can say, we, we can fight against that and the structures that we have, we can, with our voice, we can like actually go against that. Mm. But that doesn't mean that we don't honor or give respect or pray for the leaders that we have just because we disagree with them. Um, and again, I think that's hard for Americans, but historically over the last 2000 years for the church, I think they've understood it more because mm they've more often been in place with corrupt uh, and maybe evil leaders in a lot of times. And they've had to figure out how do we actually love and honor um, the leadership and the authority that God has and still understand that God can get glory, even when people that we think Mm -hmm. shouldn't be in power are in power. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And we see it all throughout the Bible as well, as you were saying. Yeah. So first one, um, we give allegiance to Jesus. We follow Jesus, not a party. Uh, The second one is we think about voting or we think about the election. I want to challenge us to have an others-centered posture, not a self-centered posture in voting. All right. So when we vote, have an others-centered posture, not self-centered posture. Um, one of the things that I think this is, uh, this comes out for us in, in America is that we often talk about our, our rights, right? We have certain rights that we want to fight for. We've had freedoms in our country that are amazing. Not a lot of places around the world have experienced the type of freedom and democracy that we have. And that's a huge blessing and a gift that that's an amazing thing. Um, it, yeah, it, it, in fact, if, for people that argue, whether they're Christians or not, on the basis of human rights, so a lot of the social justice movements in different areas, they're fighting because humans have um, rights. And that's an American value. That's something that is valued right now from Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, but the idea of human rights is rooted in biblical Christianity or in mm-hmm. the Bible and Judaism itself too, in the old Testament, um, the idea of human rights actually finds itself within Christianity. And so Christians, when we think about, um, like having rights, then that America has kind of built upon that. That's actually a Christian idea, um, that humans have rights, but the way that human or the way that Christianity talks about our rights is never that we should fight to just preserve our rights for ourselves, mm-hmm. but that we should lay down our rights for others. So the idea of human rights is a complete Christian value. We believe that every life has value and that should permeate how we think about the public area of um, politics. But as Christians, we uniquely think that our rights are given to us by God, but our rights are laid down so that others can actually flourish. So when we think about voting, um, it's okay to to believe in human rights. I mean, it's a good thing. It's a, it's okay to believe that you have certain rights as a person. Um, but when we vote, we don't vote just to um, have a self-centered view of our rights and what's best for us, but we should vote with a Christian posture of what is best for the community and for others. That's a complete value throughout 
from Genesis to Revelation is that we honor God. Jesus says, you love God with, with your whole mind, heart, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two values in Christianity that he says sums up the whole Old Testament. And so when we vote, the first, you know, the first point was more about the vertical element of like, we're following Jesus and letting God like drive us and how we think about politics. This second point is just the horizontal element of when we vote, we need to think through what is actually best for people, not just my rights specifically. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I hear that, I'm going to push back a little bit. When I hear that argument, I've heard people say things like, well, and I'll just be frank. If you vote for the Democratic Party, then you're living out Christian values because you're thinking about others more and you're being focused on others. Is that what you're saying or are you making a different argument? Yeah. So making a different argument than the specifics. So um, I think that our, so again, I'm talking about the posture in mm-hmm. this. So our posture has to be other centered. Now within that, I do think that the way that you vote or the way that you see politics best being other centered can be different. And so, um, yes, what I'm not saying is that, okay, to be other centered means you have to be about, um, universal healthcare. You have to say there's no immigration laws. You have to say, you know, all these things is we, we only think about other, um, other people in certain policies. I'm saying that we can differ on the policies of, um, you know, the Bible just specifically doesn't say like, we need to be other centered when we think about immigration in our country. But the Bible doesn't explicitly say, what should that process of immigration look like? How should you have a wall or should you not have a wall? Should um, should there be certain uh, number of people that you let into your country each year? Like the Bible doesn't say those things. And so we can differ on the best way to be other centered, but we can't differ on should we think about others or should we think about mm, ourselves? Yeah. So for some, yeah. So for some conservatives who maybe like um, are looking at this and saying, okay, well, to be other centered, does that mean I just have to vote very liberal and just say that? Well, everything, um, you know, everything is is uh, from like kind of a democratic perspective. You know, I'm not I'm not arguing for that, but I'm also saying if you're on the like more democratic or liberal side that you can't just look at conservatives and say, well, just because you're conservative means you don't care about other people um, because the the posture can be there and the policies can be different. And so mm-hmm. the two parties may look different of how they actually play out being other centered. Um, the non-negotiable is that we have to be other centered. If you think that there's certain policies, so if you take healthcare, for instance, if you think the best way to actually love the people around you is not a universal government, you know, mandated or funded uh, healthcare system, but you think that through small businesses or through um, the private sector and stuff, that's how, you know, healthcare is going to best be played out for people. Okay. Have that argument. And, and I think people should debate those things and there's good arguments on both sides. But if you're saying, well, I just don't want to help other people in healthcare and I really don't care if they get healthcare or not, that's a non-negotiable for Christians. You have to care about other people and vote in an other centered way. Mm -hmm. But if you see it differently than somebody on another party, I think that's okay. Yeah. So it's seeing everything through the lens of how is this best helping others? whatever side you land. Yeah. And I think that we should have those conversations and we should have those um, disagreements. I think one of the things that's kind of sad right now is that people struggle to have healthy, loving conversations with people on the other side. So usually kind of to your point, what happens is you just kind of throw these lobs at other people and say, well, this party cares about business and economics and certain morals. And this party cares about um, people and helping everybody thrive. And we just kind of throw these jabs at each other. And and I think that that's, 
unhealthy, especially for Christians. We need to stand on our core convictions. We need to stand on the idea of being other-centered, um, but we should have conversations about what is the best way to be other-centered in immigration, in healthcare, mm-hmm. in, you know, all these different areas, in education, in, you know, our tax system. Like, be other-centered, but then talk about what's the best way to actually do that. And if other Christians disagree a little bit, so long as we're not compromising on biblical standards, I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's really healthy. Um, okay, third one on this point. So what's our posture um, toward the election and voting? We need to remember that we are finite, not infinite. Okay, so we are finite people, not infinite. Uh, here's what I mean by that. Um, sometimes I think we can get into the mindset that our understanding of politics or our certain party platform is is undoubtedly like, I don't know if many people would say this, but essentially perfect. Like we have the exact right moral system. We have the exact right policies and and everything kind of falls in line. And I think just as Christians, we can say we're finite beings and we need to be humble enough to say like, I think some of these things are the best ways to do this, but I may be wrong. Uh, My Mm -hmm. party may be wrong. This candidate may have a lot of good things, but he's not going to be perfect. And I I don't know if anybody's arguing for these two candidates right now, that either one of them are perfect. (laughs) But even for ourselves, I think we can fall into this trap of thinking that how we view politics is is infinite, that we have a complete understanding of the situations, a complete knowledge of how this will play out in the future, and that our values and the things that we love are the right things and the right priority system. Um, And so as Christians, I think we can just say that we're finite and and I think that's okay. And I think every single Christian is um, certain things that you love and how you think about things. They're shaped by your experience, um, by the place and time that you live in. And, and that's okay. That is, that's not like something to be ashamed of, but how you vote is going to be shaped by how you're wired, who you are, your life experiences, the certain things that you're really passionate about. And if another Christian votes a little bit differently than you because of their life experience and because of places where they work or maybe a different place that they live in the country and different experiences that they have, um, that's okay. We need to be firm in our convictions, um, but we need to understand that our, the ability for us to know things um, to make decisions, to love certain things, to value certain things is finite. And so um, that's where I just want to kind of push people that Christians can vote on certain issues differently. Um, and that's okay because we're not infinite beings. So if we're finite beings and we are limited, why do we all have to have kind of similar convictions, even these biblical convictions that you said, like, this is just a truth. Why aren't we all passionate about those things? Yeah, everybody is... All humans are not God. God cares about and calls the church and his people to do and love and be about a lot of things, but no individual can actually do all those things. So we have um, all different things that the church should do, should care about, um, and values that we should have, but an individual person is limited. We're not God. And so for God's people, he cares that the church is about all these things that he calls us to, um, but no individual can do that. The, the church does that. And so it's actually, when we think about being finite, it's helpful because we can realize like, I have a passion for certain things and there's certain things that have happened in my life that are not accidents. God has like sovereignly put your life together so that you would be passionate about things and you can help the body of Christ in doing that. Mm -hmm. But we can't look to every other person and say, if you're not passionate about this, then you're not a real Christian. 
Well, no, they could be passionate about something totally different that you would never actually touch that God actually calls the church to do. So together, um, you know, the phrase like we're better together, like that's just true about the church. We actually need each other to carry out the things that God calls us to. Yeah. And it also reminds you that, yes, every single person needs to be involved like we see in First Corinthians 12. And just remembering that we can't do it all on our own. And so for someone that says, okay, well, you aren't passionate about this and they're trying to attack someone because of that, because they don't feel passionate about abortion. Well, actually that wouldn't really count, would it? Because abortion is an issue that we should be pro-life, but at the same time, the policy looks different, right? Yeah. And I think that the church needs to be pro-life and there's going to be some people that lead the charge in that. Like, Mm. I don't think it's right for any Christian to look at the Bible and say, actually, we can murder babies in the womb and God, that's okay. Like that, no, nobody's going to do that. But certain people in the church, that is going to be the way that they lead out and help the whole church care about this. Similarly to how like we at Providence, we have like a global missions team. Everybody has to care about getting the gospel to the nations. There are people around the world that are destined for hell. And that is like their future until, unless they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole church has to care about that. However, we have certain people in the church that primarily take up the mantle and leadership of saying, we're going to lead the charge in getting there. And you could Mm -hmm. say that about different policy things or different things within the church. Um, There's going to be certain people that lead the charge in that, but we support that as a family so that as a family, we can care about a lot of different things and be passionate about a lot of different things. Even if we would agree, like the person that's primarily giving most of their life to fighting, um, uh, abortion should also be grateful for and be proud of the people that are going overseas and bringing mm. the gospel to people um, that have never heard it. They don't have to be in competition or yell at each other because they don't care about the right things. They can actually link arms, be grateful for one another and say, together, we're actually doing more than one of them could actually do by themselves. Thank you for joining us today on the Christian Formation Podcast. Again, we exist to connect the story of God with the story of man and see all of our lives in light of God and his story. If you have any questions, comments, anything, send us an email at formation at providenceomaha.org. And if you want to learn more about us, you can check us out on our website at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.